Good evening, wrestling world. It is January 13th here on the Wrestling Inc. podcast on another Wednesday night, AEW up against NXT. Big night tonight. I'm Justin Labar being joined by Alfred Kunawa, who's been a uh, new recent Wednesday night stable. Alfred, hello. And Wrestling Inc.'s owner, proprietor, the man that makes it all happen, Raj Geary. Gentlemen, how are we doing? What's Great. going on, guys? Well, tonight was uh, night two of the New Year's Smash for AEW. NXT is countering it with the uh, first week of the Dusty Rhodes Classic Tournament for the men. They also announced that there will be a Dusty Rhodes Classic for the women, just showing off all the depth they have. Ha-ha. So we'll get into both. Let's start with AEW, and we kick it off with a singles match. Not always common in AEW, but we'd actually get two singles matches to kick it off. The first being Pac up against Eddie Kingston, of course, each having the respective uh, cornermen pack with Phoenix and uh, Penta L Zero and Eddie Kingston having the Blade, the Butcher, and the Bunny. This is a very intense matchup, as you imagine. Both these guys are tense characters. A uh, good little bit of uh, backstory and beef leading into this. Ultimately, though, uh, Pac would end up getting the pinfall out of this. And, uh, you know, he, he gets the pinfall, and then he puts on a submission hold uh, afterwards on, uh, on Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston's calling in for help from the uh, from, from, from his buddies. And then as we get that big stare off, here comes Lance Archer. Uh, out with Jake, the Ro- Jake Robertson, Lance Archer gets in the ring, and he gets rid of Kingston's guys just by a simple stare down. They back off, but then has a little hostility uh, with Pac and Phoenix and and, and uh, Penta. So I'm uh, not really sure what to make here. You know, Lance just made this jump over to Babyface recently. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm interested in him, but I still don't exactly know what I'm supposed to be taking away from this. Uh, Raj, what did you get? Um, real quick, Justin, there are a couple people in the chat are saying your uh, your audio is a little loud. Are, are you on your mic right now, or is it your... I'm on this one. I'll pull it up. <laughs> all, right. <laughs> um, all right. Let me see if I could... Uh, I don't think I can adjust that from here. Um, I, I, you know what? I, I thought I thought this was really good. Uh, it wasn't a, a blow-away match, but I thought it was a, a strong opener. I think... Yeah, I, I mentioned this on Twitter. Eddie Kingston's one of those guys that... <laughs> He has only had one singles win on Dynamite this whole time. And he still comes across as a major star because of what he has been able to do on the mic and just any time he's on that screen where he feels uh, like, you know, one of the top guys. So Pac beating him, Pac beating him, uh, it, it meant something. So I thought, it was a, I thought it was a good opener. You know, AEW, they overdo these brawls at the, you know, after the match. It's one thing to do one or two, but... Uh, you know, once in a while, but I mean, there are multiple, uh, each show and you just kind of forget, uh, what's going on after a while. You can kind of get numb to it. And I, I kind of thought, I kind of felt that way here. I, I really like this match. I like how they've uh, built it up. I like uh, the back and forth. I think they've done a good job establishing Kingston as a heel and Pac as a babyface. But it's funny because the, the visual of seeing just a shredded super athlete and Pac beating down Eddie Kingston, who just looks like an everyman. And when he talks, he's so good at getting you on his side. It really made it hard for me to root for Pac. I was going for Eddie Kingston. Uh, and to your point, Raj, he is a, a big star. He, he always comes off as a a pretty big star, but I did like this match. I like that they built it up and then finally had kind of the blow off tonight. And it was a, a really good win for Pac. Yeah. I'm glad they have Pac back and I'm glad he's back with the uh, Lucha brothers. I think that was a, a real fine pairing when it started. And then, you know, the, the world fell apart and everything, uh, everything, you know, separated them. So I'm glad they're back and uh, it makes a lot of sense. And, and again, uh, Lance Archer, so much money written all over him. Um, not to say this storyline's beneath him or that you know he won't do something exciting in it, but I, 
I, I, I feel like he's they, they haven't even begun to tap into what they could be with him. So, uh, uh, Real quick, at the end of this, did the Lucha Brothers come out at the end of this too or no? Because they, they came out later at the end of that... Uh, at the end of the Good Brothers match, but I can't remember if they came out at the end of this. They were at ringside with Pac. Yeah, I, I think they were there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. So two brawls for them, but they yes. didn't actually brawl tonight. No. In in this segment, okay. No. And uh, five dollars super chat from <laughs> Brett Murphy. Damn, Raj, love the great beard. Raj calls taking over next December. Oh man. Beard. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta hit the. Uh, what was it, the, the Just for Men? Well, yeah, exactly. Trying to get that Just for Men sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> I think they sponsored WrestleMania 10, Cy Sperling and all. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> if only I didn't have a full head of hair. Wasn't that, uh, that was WrestleMania 10, right? Uh, yeah, they, they put the toupee on Fink. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, it wasn't Just for Men. It was uh, yeah. men's, the Men's Club. Men's Hair Club men, for yeah. Men's. Hair Club for, for Men. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Is the audio better, by the way? Yes, it is. Okay, good. Apologize to everybody. All right, moving on. Like I said, uh, second singles match to follow this. I, I can't remember in Dynamite history if they've had two singles matches in a row. Not complaining, but they're just so tag and six-man heavy. This one is Miro with Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford in his corner up against Chuck Taylor, who has Orange Cassidy. Now, the stipulation here is if Chuck Taylor loses to Miro, he becomes a, a, a proud boy. He becomes the you know the butler, the servant, whatever you want to call it, to Miro. Um, kind of random, but we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that in a second here. But this is a, a match where off the bat, Chuck just all the offense. I mean, just, just throwing Miro around has all the offense. This, of course, is set up for the cutoff spot where Miro then just takes control and, uh, kind of after this point makes quick work hitting his finisher. Um, I'm not sure what they call it in AEW. I know what he, I remember it was the accolade when he was Russo. I'm not sure what he called it here. What is that called? Yeah, but he basically the guy's on his belly. He sticks his back, uh, foot in their back and then does the the like the camel clutch. Yeah. Nonetheless, though, Miro gets the victory with it, and then uh, um, yeah, that's that. So now you know he and they end up basically just dragging Chuck away, and Chuck is now under Miro's apprehension and and servitude. So uh, Alfred, I mean, I mean Miro looks good. This is the I mean the the eyes, the physique, the the, the gear. He looks good, but like. Uh, I mean, do you care that Chuck is now? It... Not necessarily. I, the only takeaway I had of this is when Miro was on offense, this is the guy that I want to see. He looked like a monster. They did a good job there. However, I don't like the funny stuff with Miro. I don't like the going forward of this young boy angle where now, you know, Chuck Taylor's probably going to just uh, infiltrate the wedding and sabotage or whatnot. But I just, the less Miro involved with this comedy wedding, the better. It just, I cannot get into this character. And at the time of him signing, when he was revealed to be signed with AEW, this was one of, to me, the signings that I looked forward to the most. And now I think it's the worst thing on AEW, which, you know, AEW has a lot of great stuff. So maybe it's a high bar to get to, but. I don't care about this stuff at all. Yeah, I thought uh, I thought Miro looked great. I thought um, they need more of this, him just killing people. Um, I think, and, and people in the chat pointing out. Uh, it's you young, young, young I wanted, Raj, I wanted to let you speak, but I wanted to quickly apologize to Chuck. He's a young boy now, not a proud boy. <laughs> I've been watching way too much news this There's week. Too much, yeah. <laughs> the, the news is in our brains. Uh, <laughs> that's a storyline we have to if they did okay, let's see what they do here. but can, can you explain to me why Chuck Taylor would take this step when there, there's no, nothing reciprocated 
where it's like, yeah, I'll be, I'll be your butler for a month, and but you don't have to do anything if I beat you. You know, it should be. And people are saying, oh, well, he, it was to get him out of his face. That is the dumbest excuse I've heard. Either that makes him a total dunce or it's just lazy storytelling. But I just thought there was no reason for him to accept the stip without wanting something in return. Yeah, I agree. It's um, not like Miro would have been afraid to face him anyway. So it's you know he would have gotten a match with Miro regardless. Uh, I, I agree. Lazy. Yeah, it is lazy, and, and there's you know, it. It doesn't take. It wouldn't take but a five minute creative meeting, uh, additional meeting to say, okay, well, what does Chuck want? You know, Chuck could say, I, I, Miro, I want you to be my 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 big bad thug of, of a servant, or I, I want to. I wanted. I want Kip to be my server. I want a date with 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 Blondie here. Like, I mean, right. it, it doesn't take long just to come up with something. So that way, you truly do feel like, all right, it could go either way. But when there's one stipulate, I mean, it's kind of like Brian Pillman versus Goldust, and if I win, I get Terry uh, Runnels for 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 thirty days. It, it becomes obvious. You know who's winning at this point. Right. So yeah, I mean, Ethan Kramer uh, on our on Twitter, he he uh, he had tweeted something to me, you know, suggesting the storyline, uh, you know, where. He he does ask, say, like if I beat you, Penelope Ford, I get a I get a date with her. Ends up getting the date, you know. He, she ends up smitten with him, you know, just doing something to. Which would be interesting because I think they've set the wedding date, you know, the wedding date for like early February. So like yeah. we're approaching the point to where this is the perfect time to start to get chaos and and right. what have you leading up to the. Because I mean, no wrestling altar ever goes right. smooth, so. Right. Yeah, um, it almost seemed like Savage and Elizabeth did that night when you left uh, SummerSlam. You thought it did. So you got to the it reception until the next week. Yeah, the watch. next week you saw the reception and it was yeah. chaos. Watch, watch, uh, watch, watch, watch the presents you open at the reception. <laughs> uh, Ryan W five dollars. I'm a fan of AEW. It, it feels like the big guys in the company, Cage Archer, can't get booked to win anything. Disappointing. Yeah, Ryan, I, I can't help but. Uh, you know, to disagree with you, I mean, e- even Wardlow, despite you know, adding another name, even despite his uh good victory against Hager last week, even prior to that, he you know the other big match he had was Cody. He looked good, but you know Cody beats him, and just the general booking, yeah, you know, they don't seem like they get fully behind the big man to have like a consistent push. And I think yeah. that's a huge mistake with AEW because they have an embarrassment of riches when it comes to talented big men. And I've said this before. You know, they have that FTW title that Cage carries around that means nothing. Why not make that like a super heavyweight de facto big man title? You don't even have to call it anything. Just make that the title that Will Hobbs and Brian Cage and all these big men that they have compete for if they're not doing anything with it. Yeah. I mean, you know, the late Brody Lee, same thing. Um, yeah. You know, he came in and kind of lost right off the bat, you know, within a month. Um, they need to give some of these big guys some steam because, I mean, they look like, my, you know, they're different. They stand out and they can go. So yeah. uh, there's no reason not to. Also, we are on Twitch now, twitch.tv slash wrestling inc. Uh, if you send us messages from him there, we'll try to get to those as well. Uh, and uh, Locusburg12345 saying, hey guys, huge fan. My question is, was the ending of Raw Monday night pre-taped? I noticed that Orton wasn't bleeding from his cheek when he got hit with the, with the fireball. Yes, it was pre-taped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think most of the recent stuff we've seen with Orton and either Alexa or The Fiend, uh, they have been taking advantage of not having of having a closed set, and they have pre-taped to make sure they get all the stunts and, and, the, and the timing and everything correct. But uh, it looked yeah. good. Yeah, and a big thanks to Rocky. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Good. Uh, uh, sorry, real quick. Rocky Bea, uh, who supports us on YouTube a lot, supporting us on Twitch. Thank you, Rocky. 
Absolutely, uh, Twitch. I mean, you're not. I mean, you're not Raj McMahon. You're letting us do Twitch here. This is, <laughs> this is fantastic. So yeah, we gotta we gotta play some uh, Punch Out and pro wrestling on there soon. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what it's there for, right? Stella Justin Lopez, four ninety nine. I like Chucky e. T, but he got way too much offense in this match. I agree. I thought so too. Yeah, um, I, but I guess you know, and I'll kind of get into the whole too much offense later. But I, I looked at it as okay. Like again, I knew he wasn't winning, so at least Miro gives him a couple minutes of. Uh, looking, uh, looking, looking strong. Combo breaker, dollar ninety nine. Working OT and listening to you guys. Thank you. Well, good luck Thank with you. your overtime. Uh, more Justin Lopez, another dollar ninety nine. Accolade is called Game Over in AEW. Thank you very much for that. Um, and I think that's all we got on the super chats at the moment. So thank you guys. So we keep on rolling. Uh, backstage, Dasha is with Private Party and Matt Hardy, and uh, Hardy just playing up the greedy Matt Hardy gimmick. He has to speak first and answer. He answers like one sentence. Uh, then he lets them talk. They start getting into the whole 30%. We start getting into fine print of the contract they signed last week. Uh, they call Hardy a money-grabbing carny, <laughs> um, which, uh, you know, that, that's that's funny in, in, in itself. Um, so they get into it, and, and finally, basically, Hardy just ends the interview, and uh, and Hardy says, you stick with me. You'll be fine. He said, you know, you're going to be millionaires. He says, you know, I, when I say, ultimately, when you, I say jump, you say how high. So, I mean, look, I mean, Matt's been known. He, he's the three faces of Hardy. Um, and I find it fun. They're just kind of letting him run with whichever one he kind of feels. And they're finding creative application for each of them. I think this is probably the best stuff he's done since he's joined AEW. I think he's, uh, he had started this character in ROH. And uh, I think he's finally getting to do it on, on a big stage. And he's great at it. You know, the, the broken stuff, even with the no fans, you know, it, it wasn't working with the no fans. But I still felt like it kind of run its course. And this just kind of reinvents him. He's entertaining. And I, I think it, he's been great so far. So I, I like it. And it's also a great vehicle for private party who, I mean, as good as they are in the ring and, you know, they're kind of up and coming, they really didn't have anything to sink their teeth into creatively. So the fact that they're paired with Matt Hardy in this angle, I think helps them as well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, to be, to be a tag team, to be a young tag team and have one half of one of the greatest tag teams ever in pro wrestling, there, playing the big money Matt character yeah. as your, your agent. Um, yeah. There, there's so many ways they can go and how long they can draw this out. So uh, good, good creative here. Up next, we get the inner circle in the ring. Now, the whole gimmick here is they are all going to reveal their New Year's resolutions. Uh, Jake Hager immediately starts and says, championships, that's his big goal. MJF wants to strengthen his bonds with the other members and also get rid of fat people. Let's not forget about that. Uh, (laughs) Ortiz wants to improve a family recipe. Uh, Jericho says that he and MJF will win the AEW Tag Team team Championships. That then causes Santana to jump in, and he says, look, you know, we, me and Ortiz, we were handpicked by you, Jericho, to be the tag team of the inner circle. Guevara jumps in, and, and kind of Sammy jumps in and says, yeah, I agree. You know, Jericho, you're a tag team slut. Uh, I, I have a feeling Pro Wrestling Tees will have a new T-shirt tomorrow morning with tag team slut. Uh, and basically, it ultimately just comes down to a lot of uh, bickering and bantering amongst the family. So next week, we are going to have a triple threat tag team match between Sammy Hagar tag team santana ortiz i do it too and then jericho and mjf and and whoever wins gets to be the official tag team of the inner circle guys it's it's so stupid but it works it it, it doesn't it plays into the fact that these guys don't all get along they're constantly looking over their shoulder of insecurity They're, they're willing to have a match 
they'll have the match, and then they'll act like best buds right after. I, mean, I, I think this is this is great stuff. Yeah, I, I love how self-destructive the inner circle is because this is probably the worst idea if you want harmony for them to like split off into like a civil war essentially. But uh, it's I love week after week. I'm more interested in where this goes. Yeah, I mean, you know, there. I, I think most weeks the inner segment's usually my favorite thing on the show. Tonight, I, I didn't think it was one of their best ones. Um, you know, uh, Hager doing the championships over and over, and just I, I just thought the. The back and forth just felt very scripted. It felt like a WWE promo in a lot of ways, where it's like, you're lying now. You know, it didn't feel organic and as organic as a lot of their segments do. But still, I thought it was still uh, pretty damn entertaining. I still thought MJF and uh, Jericho were great. And you saw MJF finishing off the promo for Jericho, kind of taking that leadership position, you know, you know kind of subtly doing it. You're not seeing Jericho and MJF getting each other's face over it, but it was just subtle. So, you know, there was stuff in there I liked. Uh, I liked Jericho and MJF, but the other guys I thought just came across a little scripted. Well, to counter you, Raj, about it being like a WWE promo, I I felt, and I think Jericho's even said this, WWE tries too hard with the comedy and they take it a step too far rather than just letting the joke breathe. Like, you know, Jericho with the, so you're Sammy Hagar, and rather than, like, actually explaining the joke, he just, like, Okay, you just don't like. I don't know. Like, I think you know, I, I, even still, I mean, you know, when you got five guys, five six guys in there with a microphone, and you do need to get to the end business of accomplishing of setting up a match. I mean, you do have to at least have a little bit of uh, scripting ahead of time. But I still thought that they it felt it felt far more organic than most of WWE's attempts for comedy with five or six guys and with microphones. Yeah, and to your point, I I I, I thought that line was great too, and I liked how. They didn't know who Sammy Hagar was. Just kind of shows how old we are. It was more the the stuff that uh, the lines that the guys that weren't named Jericho and MJF were saying. You know, like I thought Jericho and MJF came across great. Yeah, and and it's fun because there's so many avenues to think about. What's the big payoff? I mean, and they could they could run with this for the better part of this year, and and there's so many options that they could go for the payoff. Um, you know, whether it's Jericho getting kicked out and baby facing it, or you know, whatever. There's so many things that we could. And, and and one more, th- you know, the last thing with this segment for me is I just felt like Wardlow and uh, Hagar, Hager, j- they just faced each other last week, right? Like they felt like it should have been mentioned. There should have been, you know, something mentioned of it. Um, well, they said they did. I mean, they did say it kind of is kind of like their their justification for why they're going to fight each other. Jericho referenced it. Look, last week Wardlow and Hager, you guys had to get some, st- you know, blow off some steam, and you know, so they at least kind of acknowledge that, like. Okay. That, that that's the thing. Um, oh, but, but I, I miss that. Yeah, but but I do. But I understand what you're saying. And, and Wardlow's the one the one who did not speak at all. Right. Uh, so he doesn't have a New Year's resolution. Um, uh, we got a. F- I don't know what currency that is, but it's it's five something. So thank you, FH. Uh, uh, solid show overall. Only negative is in ring segments like the inner circle one uh, one one loss. It sparks without full crowds. The jokes uh, the jokes land, but still takes away. Uh, the jo- okay, so yeah, I mean, there's no crowd to react to it, but yeah, I, I thought I still think the inner circle stuff is usually some of the best stuff on the show, and I, I still thought so tonight. Yeah, I would agree. Like after this, I thought the show kind of went downhill for a while. Uh, I, I would start to agree with that, and and we'll let's let's jump into that. So we do get a backstage with Alex Marvez in the Dark Order, kind of basically saying, uh, obviously, you know, the loss of of the wonderful Brody Lee. What is next? And Evil Uno says everything's going to be in Brody Lee's name. Uh, next week, Hangman Page, he's going to team the Dark Order. Uh, hopefully Page decides he wants to be with them. 
Um, and then it just kind of turns into a bunch of hilarity. Basically, this now looks like the Dark Order that Matt Morgan's always touting and raving that needs an Oscar on being the elite web series. That comedy Dark Order is kind of seems like what they're leaning more into now uh, as they're essentially baby faces. I, I feel weird saying they're baby faces now because of a tragic death, but that seems kind of the reality of it. Yeah, that is. Yeah, um, and I do think they need someone strong as their leader. I, I They have to be baby faces, and I think they need to be kind of booked a little stronger than they have been. Like, they, you know, they would never win on Dynamite before. Um, and so, you know, maybe this is a good role for Hangman Page right now to, to lead that group because they need, they need a name to, to kind of be on, on top and, and then raise some of the other guys. Yeah, and given the trajectory of this group as they're kind of on their ascent and becoming baby faces, I thought it, it's pretty much a matter of time before Hangman Adam Page joins the Dark Order. But the way this segment was scripted tonight, where they're just so sure that he's going to join, where they're, you know, Hangman Adam Page says, okay, I guess I'll team with you. And they're just like, yes, he's going to join. That kind of makes me think that maybe that's not the direction that they go in. Mm-hmm. I really hope it is, because I think it'll be great for Hangman Adam Page to join the Dark Order, given that he's like the odd man out of the elite right now with whatever they're doing. Right. For yeah, sure. he's kind of not doing anything else right now, so it, it would be good for him. Uh, we got another Twitch comment. Skibo saying, has there been any word on a AEW OTT streaming or any more international TV deals? Uh, Fight TV has been playing up for Fight TV with the app not working at times and them going into commercials just recently when it shouldn't have in Australia. Um, I, Not really, no. I haven't heard of anything new on, on that front. No, I mean, I mean, and I, I'd imagine probably things got, if there were plans, things have probably got delayed because of the uh, because of the pandemic in the last ten months. Uh, so, but but that that that's a natural route you got to go. OTT is you know everybody's got to have a, a streaming platform and a, an on-demand platform these days. Yeah, now OTT. I mean, you can stream it on the TNT app in the states, but uh, you know they wouldn't do any other deals in the U.S. because that would conflict with their TNT deal. Uh, we got uh, $10 uh, Canadian uh, from Jody Shana Jenkins. Uh, one thing I cannot get over is the difference in the product between AEW and WWE. There's more storytelling and description in one AEW match than there is an entire Raw. Such a glaring difference. Uh, I, 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 think that's, I think it's on a case-by-case basis, honestly. I mean, the, just to play devil's advocate to WWE, I think there's times that AEW and we kind of touch on they they there's things that happen and there's actually something that'll come up here that we'll talk about there's things that happen that are just so with no explanation and granted WWE sometimes over explains or or has redundancy and we see it too many times to try to hammer it home but i also think you know AEW sometimes just short changes and and it assumes you saw the segment on AEW or excuse me on um, being the elite uh, or assumes that you remember what happened two months ago when this person did show up and now they've been away because of whatever reason. So I, you know, I don't, I don't really think one is equal is, is overly better than the other. I don't know about you guys, but yeah, no, I mean, I think when WWE, when they do a storyline like with Roman Reigns or when Sasha and Bailey, I thought those were really strong. And, um, whereas AEW, sometimes they throw too much stuff in one match where you're like, who's shooting with who? Why are they mad at each other? Or aren't they on the same team? You know, like it, it just yeah. becomes a cluster. Whereas um, just just simple storytelling and, and uh, just logical 
that you know going step to step to step sometimes is avoided at times and you know i look at aew what they did with mjf and cody i thought that was brilliant the way they did that storyline and 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 the steps to get to that final match and you know you were really into it and i feel like they haven't been doing that as much lately I think AEW is better with subtlety, and when it comes to like the long-term story, if they're going from A to B to C to D, and you can even look at last week as an example, when the Bullet Club reunited, it wasn't as simple as this is a Bullet Club reunion. You saw the facials of Nick Jackson and Matt Jackson, where they're just kind of saying, I don't know about this, and that played into this week. Now, uh, to Justin's point, that was a little discombobulated in that now we're asking, okay, so is there a Bullet Club reunion? Is there not? But I trust AEW to pay that off. I think they reward viewers more than WWE does for paying attention to the little subtle things because I think this is going to pay off down the road. But yeah, AEW can get a little bit up into itself when it comes to storytelling. But I do think they're more consistent in telling stories. I think WWE does a great job with their main event angles. And when they want to tell a story, they do a great job with that. But AEW across the board, I think, does a good job telling stories with all their, you know, from the top to the bottom of the card. We got a Robert Martinez four dollar ninety nine super chat. He says, "What AEW superstars do you see going to WWE when their contract is over?" That's a, I, 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 we always get the reverse of that question. I've never got that one. AEW superstar sounds weird. Yeah, <laughs> what are they calling? <laughs> I mean, that's I, I mean, for, Raj or in both of you, because I mean, we all. I guess no different things or hear different things. I mean, my understanding from a lot of the, at least a lot of the mainstay EW stars were, they were, at least the ones from the ground up, were brought in and given basically three-year deals, even to the point where if the company was done after two years, they are, they're promised to get that third year paid no matter what. Now, obviously, they've been over a year in now on TV, and it doesn't look like they're going away. Props to them. So, but I mean, but... I, I couldn't even. I don't even know of anybody of, of or any real stature that has a contract coming up with them that wouldn't. And if they do, that they wouldn't be just resigned anyways. You know, we're still in that honeymoon phase of AEW where, um, you know, everyone's getting along and working together, and it's great. And uh, you know, but the drama is going to come. It's inevitable with any company, and when you have a bunch of talent and. There's going to be guys that aren't feeling like they're getting enough TV time or so-and-so is getting more TV time and they're not as over and, and things like that. You know, we're, we're not seeing that yet, but that'll happen down the road. And like you're saying, in three years when contracts are up, we'll have to see who's being used and who's not. And the guys not being used, I'm sure, are going to be more than willing to uh, seek other offers. Yeah, and, and there's no... I mean, the one instance that we have seen of disgruntlement was a scripted version of it when Sean Spears went on to that promo about not getting used, about, right. you know what I mean? But we haven't seen him since, right. so he might be a candidate, but I don't see him going back to WWE because that's how he left WWE, saying he wasn't being used. Yeah, no, I, don't, yeah, I, can't no, I think that, that was on one of those, that's one of those storylines. You know, I'm with you, Alfred, where I say a lot of times, like, I trust that they're going to pay it off and I'm going to pay it off. And when I look back at this last year, there's so many things that have happened where it's like they haven't paid it off by now. They're probably not paying it off. Or they do stuff on Dark or they do it on uh, BTE. And it's like this is your main show. This is what's keeping you afloat. This is your this is your money program. you got to make the stories make sense to the viewers of this show because this is what's keeping you in business. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought about Spears tonight when I, as I watched uh, Tully out there with FTR. I was like, man, they just really kind of, <laughs> just kind of <laughs> abandoned him there. Um, 
you know, but I think AEW probably has this in mind. I mean, you can't make everybody happy and you can't make everybody a millionaire. So like Raj said, inevitably there will be people that will have a grievance to go do a shoot interview and complain about why they didn't get pushed higher up on the card. Uh, but that said, I do think that AEW is pretty aware of, okay, what is it to make a talent happy these days? And okay, you know, maybe we won't give them as much money as they think they're worth, or maybe we won't be able to book them with as many wins as they feel they should have, but we'll let them have their name and we'll let them still do some, some third party stuff or we'll let them, you know, like it seems like AEW is not, you know, it doesn't seem like AEW and Tony Khan are, are, are hell bent on owning somebody's name. You know, they're, they're, they're letting them still be a brand. And, and so maybe that'll be enough as people look and or is the grass green on the other side with WWE and they hear about all the terrible things in the WWE world, they'll say, okay, this is not so bad over here. Um, even if I'm on dark every now and again. So also, I think the move from AEW to WWE is going to be a lot tougher for the for the wrestler than WWE to AEW because WWE to AEW there's maybe less politics, but it's more of like a celebration that you like got out of prison or whatnot. And we have seen quite a few instances of WWE guys or former WWE guys becoming champions in AEW. I don't think that's going to be the same thing. I think going to WWE you're going to be looked at as oh an AEW guy is here in in Stanford, and they might not be treated as well as somebody leaving AEW or WWE to go to AEW. Mm-hmm. No, I think yeah, I think you're right about that. It'll be it'll be a case of if you're a home if you're a homegrown AEW star, meaning you've never been seen with any regularity. You know, maybe you're an extra on WWE TV, but like if you're a Britt Baker or if you're a Wardlow, if you ever go from AEW to WWE, there's that worry of they're gonna play that whole line of, well, it doesn't matter what you accomplished before here, you have to earn it. You know, in our world, so. Uh, one more super chat, and we'll keep it going. Sean Wiley, five dollars. AEW, I like a lot, but two shade of gray characters. They give an impact. Too much respect. Miro needs a new gimmick. He could be a hell of a face right now. So a lot of, a lot of recap in uh, there. All right, uh, moving along. This oh, oh, one more here. Uh, Jody Shauna Jenkins, five dollars Canadian. Hey Justin, who should command more on a cameo, Raj or Josh Eisenberg? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Raj, absolutely. <laughs> Can't believe you'd even ask that, Jim. Yeah, you, I mean, you don't want to get Eisenberg going with cameos. I, that's that's uh, just bringing up bad habits from college. All right, here we go. Uh, we get the uh, AEW World Champion Kenny Omega. Now, to set this up, they advertised Kenny. Omega, they advertised the Elite is going to be in a six-man tag match. That's all they said to us. And then we see Kenny Omega backstage, uh, he and Dunk House, uh, with the Young Bucks. And they basically say, Bucks, look, you know, we're going to go out there and let us let us have our own entrance. You guys have your own great entrance and this whole thing. So Omega does his entrance, which I'm, I'm, is really growing on me. He yeah. comes out, uh, does the entrance, comes out. And then Callis gets on the mic, and he introduces who the tag partners are going to be for Omega. And here comes Gallows and Anderson. Uh, the Good Brothers. So they come. They they kind of give the outsiders Nash and Hall side entrance. You know, no 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 official entrance type of thing. And they get in there, and we see the Bucks, who are obviously side you know side wiped by this. And they then go up against uh, the Varsity Blondes and Danny Limelight. And so this match, just my opinion, real quick. This match way too long. This match goes in. They end up going into picture in picture. Like, and Danny Limelight and the Varsity Blondes are good talent, good young talents. I'm not dissing them, but in the context of booking. They didn't get an entrance. They didn't even get uh, their picture on the graphic or mentioned. They were just, right. you know, they're the enhancement talent. Mm-hmm. And this match goes two segments, 
Kenny and the, and the brothers working way too hard to win this match. There's false finishes, all this stuff. Eventually, they get the win. Um, so that happens, and then after the match, you know, we get the Bucks are out there. The Bucks are pissed off. Well, here come the Lucha Brothers. The Lucha Brothers end up in stereo, super kicking the Bucks. But then here comes uh, who else comes out? Moxley. Moxley comes out. Thank you. This was just such a such a shit show. I could, it ended up basically being like every tag team AEW has, and it was like whose side is who everybody on, but it just came off as disorganized. That's my opinion. Raj, I'll go to you here. I, I agree 100%. So I, th- I thought up until uh, up until after Omega and the Good Brothers entrance and, and them coming in and swerving the bucks, I thought that was great. I feel like it's a little soon to be swerving the bucks, but I know why they had to do it. Uh, Nick Jackson hurt his leg uh, the night before. This was all taped last week. So he had hurt his uh, leg the night before so he couldn't wrestle on the show. Um, so it was a cute little way to you know to to change it up and get the good brothers on this is a good brothers first appearance on they look like killers out there um you know griff garrison and and brian pillman who i think has a ton of potential uh danny limelight they have been treated as enhancement talent kenny omega is supposed to be your best wrestler in the world and to have it to yeah you know going 15 minutes to to beat enhancement talent you know not every match has to go 15 minutes and not every match has to be uh, you know, a great four star match where you get a bunch of moves in and a bunch of, you know, fall finishes. This is one of those matches where I felt like it, this would have been less is more five minutes. They just destroy the guys and, and don't have so many people running in at the end. And I had to keep reminding myself, I'm like, why are the Lucha brothers in? Oh yeah. Last week, you know, uh, after Omega beat Phoenix and, and the announcers aren't really saying any of that and, you know, explaining why so-and-so is coming out there. It's like, oh, it's Moxley. Oh, you know, it's Pentagon. I, I question if they fully know. Right, yeah. Yeah, it, it just turned into a mess. So, I, you know, I just find, found myself not caring by the end. I was actually out on this at the beginning, before this match even started, because I thought it was a ridiculous follow-up to what was really one of the biggest angles that we've seen uh, that we're going to see in 2021 bullet club reunion this is probably what a lot of people maybe are tuning into to see the follow-up and this match was advertised as the elite in action we did not we were not explicitly told it was going to be kenny and the young bucks so it's one thing if the young bucks were lied to and they were advertising kenny swerved them but when they went with the good brothers the announcers made such a big deal they said like, well i thought the young bucks were their best friends and it was so high school for six grown men to get into the politics of who's in the elite who is kenny's best friend i thought it made them look minor league kind of and I, from that point, this match just really, I, it did nothing to me. And, and to your guys' point, at the end, when they did all the brawling afterwards, I was trying to keep up with who's shooting with whom. And I just thought that this was a very bad follow-up uh, from the beginning because I thought that it took them from looking like a main event type stable to really looking petty in that now we're talking about who gets to be in the elite and who's supposed to be Kenny Omega's best friend. I, I don't like that storytelling at all. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I, I thought it was really, I mean, that was a hot angle. I mean, last week's show I thought was great. And uh, t- tonight's show, I thought, was one of their more average shows that they've done. And uh, to your point, that was a hot ending last week. And, t- and this was the follow-up. I-, I just thought that was a, a-, a piss-poor follow-up. And, and the other thing that gets me is, I mean, this was, I don't want to say it's buried on the show, but, like, you know, your two most important segments are your opening segment and your ending segment. And so this was, like, somewhere, uh, somewhere in the start of the second hour, you know, which is important. You start second hour, but like, I feel like, you know, AEW's doing something, or it appears they're doing something that, like, 
is pretty novelty in 2021 in America, or 2020 and 2021, which is another company, an impact, that they're doing this some some kind of a cross promotion we're stealing the belt or we're doing an invasion we don't even know they haven't we don't haven't seen all the cards i i feel like they're just shortchanging themselves like i feel like there's a there's a chance here like be shouting on the wrestling media mountain of like we're at war with impact and then you know there's all these rumors about what you know new japan might do potentially i feel like that that, that, that they're crossing over into different yards something that's been so taboo for the last 20 years since vince balled up WCW and ECW, and they never even acknowledged Impact until just recently via archives. I feel like this is a big chance to be touting something, and they're just kind of like, you know, they're just kind of burying it. They're burying the lead here. But what's the point of? I, I, I don't think they should be touting Impact. I mean, they have nothing to gain from. I mean, and we see what you see what Impact did last night. They did 160,000 viewers, a point oh five, uh, you know, in the 18 to 49 demo. I mean, that is. You're talking multiples and multiples uh, greater audience that AEW has. So they, they got nothing to gain from that. And it, I don't know. And then, you know, that's one well, of the examples of them, you know, not paying something off. They did that angle. And, and what has it been? Just that, Cal, you know, the, the good brothers show up a, a month later, haven't really explained what they're there for. Uh, who knows if they'll be on after next week? You know, it seemed like more to promote. You know, even though they didn't mention Hard to Kill, but it seemed like it was done for that purpose. Yeah, I, I, I felt like it was an opportunity missed here. Well, and it goes back to the very start of my question when we first, when they first did the whole Callus Omega winning the title, was like, what does AEW gain out of this? This is this is everything for Impact to gain, right? Yeah, everybody. Yeah, they haven't gained any, at least so far. I mean, their numbers are way back down to just back to where they were. Yeah, the hundred and sixty thousand people that watch uh, Impact, <laughs> all, I guarantee all hundred and sixty thousand of them are already watching AEW. Right, at least one hundred and forty thousand. Right. So, is it worth getting that twenty thousand extra? We'll see. All right, uh, up next, it's the waiting room. The first time it's going to be on Dynamite. The waiting room uh, with Britt Baker uh, and Reba. This. Um, this is a bit of a shit show, but it's kind of fun in my opinion. Basically, <laughs> Britt, you know, again, I, and I referenced before, you know, Britt's always been a babyface when she was here in Pittsburgh training with us and coming up. Always the girl next door. So to see her getting to be like her like sassy personality and do this is fun. She comes, she comes into this, and you know, it, it, she just jabs at to- at Cody and his neck tattoo. Jabs at we have the sparklers for the pyro and all kinds of oh and. Um, you know, I, I guarantee that uh, you know, I, you know, somebody has. You know, I don't have a, a, an action figure yet. Just all kinds of jabs, all the stuff. Then she ends up surprising Cody. Here comes Jade Cargill. Jade again talking smack on Cody. Just puts her hand in his face, talking trash on Brandy, who of course is pregnant. They're saying, "Oh, she's gone for nine months." Thank God. Um, Jade reminding that her and Shaq are a alliance. Uh, so, anyways, all hell breaks out and loose of uh, of Jade Cargill when all of a sudden. Um, uh, uh, Red Velvet shows up, so big pull apart and all this nonsense. And then we just randomly then see there wasn't there was a weird non transition. We see action that happened previously of Brit attacking Thunder Rosa and putting Thunder Rosa somewhere around the building in a, a submission uh, submission move, and they announce Thunder Rosa versus Brit uh, at their beach brawl coming up. 
Uh, and then, you know, Britt storms off. Again, a lot of funny stuff. Britt's taking selfies and video while everybody's in the pool park. So funny stuff, but it got a little chaotic to keep track of. You kind of need to keep score on paper. But overall, though, I was, if nothing else, entertained by this. Alfred, did, did, are, you, are you in with, with Dr. Britt Baker's humor in the waiting room? I like the waiting room on AEW Dark. I mean, I've seen a couple episodes of it, and it's fun. But I just felt like it was out of place on the show. It felt like a, it felt like a WWE segment on an AEW show. And I think, you know, WWE's kind of mastered the whole talk show segment. You could argue they do it too much. But AEW clearly has not. And there are just quite a few things um, that seem that they're out of place, even down to Britt Baker getting the sparkles. And it looked like she was afraid she was going to burn herself because nobody would take it from her. Uh, I thought there were a couple of things that just kind of went awry, especially as Cody came into the segment. He couldn't keep a straight face. I I didn't think this was very good, Uh, just especially when you consider the talents of Big Breaker and how highly I think of this segment on AEW Dark. I don't think this is its best foot forward. I I thought it sucked. And I liked the first like minute or two. Like I thought Britt was doing a good job. And then it just turned into a freaking mess. And uh, I mean, so many things. So first of all, um, uh, Red Velvet. I think we've seen her with Brandy once on Dynamite, if right? Like they've never really explained. Yeah, a couple times. Like Brandy was her manager for one week on on Dynamite. And, I know they they've done stuff on uh, Dark, but and you're right. And thank God this is the only time I think that the commentary really interjected. And I guess it was edited commentary, where when she showed up, because I, I even I took them in. I was like, which one is that? And then they went, oh, that's Red Velvet. Like, and they remind they had to remind you who that is. That's coming in for the save. Yeah, and then you had uh, Jade Cargill. Have they explained what her relationship is with Shaq on TV? It's just randomly like, are you his girlfriend? Are you uh, are you his manager? What you know? What is the? Are you just friends? What is the relationship here? Why are you uh, in, interjecting Shaq into this randomly? <laughs> you know, like Shaq hasn't said the one week when he was on, he didn't say anything like he wanted to get in the ring or he wanted Cody. And then, yeah, that, that weird edit to last week's episode. And then, you know, they're making fun of Thunder Rosa's looks. I just feel like it's just very outdated for a women's feud now. Um, I, I just thought this whole thing sucked. And then, yeah, you know, this ended in a brawl, right? I'm having a hard time. Yeah, yeah, track. Cargill and Red Velvet. Yeah, pull apart and then uh, uh, Britt and Reba just storm off and leave. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I was entertained, but I, I mean, I think the points you guys make are valid, um, especially the, the 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 Jade and Shaq stuff. Yeah, right. Jade never, you know, Jade just dropped Shaq's name weeks ago when she made her debut, and then Shaq when he had that sit down with Brandy, the whole thing was like, which caused Brandy to throw the the water in the face of Shaq was like, you know, Jade's gonna like teach you something in the ring and you know show you up, and I always found that funny is like. That happened, and then within the next seven days, Brandy and Cody went public about saying that she's pregnant. And I was like, "This is, I guess, just some bad timing that we were leading towards what we think is a Brandy versus Jade or Brandy Cody versus Jade Shack match, and then all of a sudden, poof, you're pregnant." I mean, having you know, good for you guys being pregnant in real life, but that's just touch. That's such a such an obstacle now that you you've just halted this the story so i don't know and that they can't control i'm assuming you know that they weren't doing the storyline while she was pregnant like i'm assuming they found out after that shack segment but between this segment and the last one with uh, omega and all those guys and the bucks this is like 30 people that were on between these two segments cody was in there somewhere uh talking about go big show it was like 30 people in two segments 
Not a lot of social distancing there. <laughs> yeah. And people were wondering about the Royal Rumble. Like, how are they going to yeah. get it with all those guys in the <laughs> ring at the same time? It's like, it's... <laughs> they also had the audience. And the audience was very closely sat together. They did this bit with Britt Baker where she faked like she was going to get everybody a car. And they all looked down. But there were a lot of people in the audience. Right. Yeah. So I, I thought it was a cluster. But thankfully, the show got back on the rails after this. A socially distant Royal Rumble. Let's do uh, 30 participants with three rings. Hey, World War III. They just repeat what they did last year with Brock, where he just keeps throwing yeah, everyone yeah, out. Right. <laughs> there can never be more than three people in the ring at a time. <laughs> Ever. All right, uh, moving on. Uh, Lucha, um, uh, Jurassic Express, which is going to this time is going to be Marker Stunt and Jungle Boy up against FTR. And, uh, you know, Jungle Boy, Somebody who really seemed like at the first half of this year, and obviously even dating back into 2019, or first half of 2020, dating back into 2019, so much momentum uh, as the as just the the little engine that could babyface really has just died down in the last four or five months. But he's in this tag match up against FTR. Um, you know, some some babyface hope and and comeback spots, but at the end of the day, FTR uh, gets the victory via pinfall. Um, you know, that, I mean, was or was, I don't really have much more to say other than just my noting of, I was like, oh, Jungle Boy. Yeah, I mean, I thought that, I thought the match was good. Um, I, I, you know, again, I, 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 it makes all the sense for FTR get, to get the win, to build momentum back up for them. I agree with you with Jungle Boy. He did lose a lot of steam ever since he did that, uh, that 10-minute match with Jericho. It seemed like he was heading on to bigger stuff. I think they were... I, I, it seemed like they were waiting for crowds to return yeah. to kind of pull the trigger on that. And now he's kind of stalled, uh, stalled a lot, but. And yeah, I think that's by design. I think it's by design that we haven't seen as much in jungle boy. Cause I do think they're holding off. They clearly are still into him because Tony Khan just bought the rights to that A's theme music that he used again tonight. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what that song's called, but it's a, uh, whatever. I'm not going to sing it, but he gets the song. So they're clearly investing in this character. And I think that, you know, when crowds come back, he'll be one of the people who, kind of makes a, an ascent mm-hmm. i hope so uh up next is our uh kind of weekly 9 30 eastern time women's match that they give us <laughs> uh, so, uh it's the nwa and again they put more it seems like they put more investment in their nwa women's championship business partnership than they do their own but that's a whole other podcast uh serena d the champion up against tay conti uh with anna J and dark order in her corner um uh, this might again. I think this one. I think went two segments. Uh, it was you know a decent amount of time. Uh, you know a good match. I mean, but both these ladies, take Conti especially if you saw her in NXT. Um, not that she was bad there, but it just she's made it, maybe it's just the TV time, but she's made a lot of strides here. Looks good. Ultimately, though, Serena Deeb, the veteran Deeb, getting the pinfall victory here. Um, so uh, I mean, good match. I, again, I just harp on it's like. AEW's biggest critique is about their women um, and the booking of, of it and the lack of depth. And then and then they have the NWA situation come in, whatever that situation is. And it, again, they, they give more highlight to them, I feel like, than their own women. Which is weird because these are two AEW contracted women. <laughs> like, like They both are under contract to AEW. Oh. Thunder Rosa is under contract to the NWA, but um, both of them are AEW. I thought, I thought Ty Conti looked amazing. I thought she has just improved uh, just leaps and bounds over the past year. I thought this match was really good. Um, Serena Deeb, I think, is is um, underrated in a lot of ways, and 
I liked it. I thought this was a, a strong match and a good showing. I agree that NWA stuff is weird. I, it kind of makes their own women's division look uh, like it's not getting enough focus. Um, but this was a good match. Yeah, I, I thought this was a big test, obviously, for Ty Conti. She's somebody that I think that they're really into. If you saw The Road 2, they did this really good piece on her, and they really focused on her in terms of somebody who's uh, up and coming. And I actually, midway through this match, because I was certain that Serena Deeb was going to retain, but I was hoping that Ty Conti was going to win. I mean, she just looked that good, and I was just thinking, maybe this is her night. Maybe this is the night they just put the title on her. But they really need to do something with her. Uh, and I really liked how she looked in it. And they've got time to build her. I mean, she is just now just really coming into her own. So yeah. um, you don't want to push it too fast, but I think her and Anna Jay, those are, I mean, those are some stars in the making right there. Yeah. What, what do we think the end game is here with the NWA women's crossover? I mean, the, the NWA is not putting out a weekly video product, correct? I mean, like what, where do we, what's what's the what's the idea here? What what is Tony Khan getting out of this? Again, we I know what I know what Billy Corgan's getting out. He's getting his right. NWA brand that he owns and his talent that he's paying uh, some exposure. But what is Tony Khan getting out of this? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I don't see anything. I think this is just Tony Khan's philosophy at play. Maybe because we're still new to what he believes and how he likes to book wrestling. But uh, judging by Impact, judging by um, NWA, maybe New Japan gets involved. I think he just has a philosophy that if we're going to be the balance of power, so to speak, is going to shift, we're going to have to do it in teams. We're going to have to kumbaya and join up with other promotions that, yeah, maybe they're not going to get anything out of it, but maybe he feels that they're going to be stronger in numbers. Well, I mean, and if there's any division, you know, your men's singles, your men's tag, your women's single. I mean, if there's any division you want to like try to maybe cherry pick and like get some help with, I guess it is your women's division because I mean, uh, you know, or, um, uh, Chris Statlander, she gets hurt and, you know, the whole Brandy Rhodes creepy thing that kind of fell apart. So like, you know, they lost, they lost, um, awesome Kong. So like, you know, really Brit and Isla Rose are the two things that I think that have worked. She does her champion, but I'm sorry. She just doesn't seem like she's connecting, at least for my, you know, my, my, my barometer. So I guess maybe this is Tony saying, Hey, look, I need some more women. So I'm not going to get WWE's talent. And I'm, you know, this is a way to get uh, some more, some more, some more on the roster, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But again, these are two AEW contracted women. So, um, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, uh, real quick, $5 Sean Wiley. Cody looked like a dorky Mr. Rogers in the waiting room with Dr. Britt Baker. Jay Cargo could be a bodyguard for Dr. Britt Baker, like Gonzalez for Kai. Yeah, I mean, Jay Cargo, like, I, th- I think she was looking down at Cody. Yeah. I mean, she I don't is know, impressive. I don't, know, I don't know what kind of heels she was wearing, maybe, but. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I thought that segment was a mess, she looks impressive. Like, she could be something. It's hard to take your eyes. She's one of those talents, and you need one of these or multiple people like this in wrestling to where it doesn't matter if you watch wrestling or not. If you see her, you're just like, what is going on over here? All right. <laughs> uh, JJ Hallmark's asking about Serena signing. Uh, and he said, I thought Serena was with NWA, and I thought Rosa was signing with AEW. She's still under con- There were those rumors, but she was still under contract with AEW. Uh, Serena Deeb signed with AEW last September. They announced it. And yeah, if you go to Wrestling Inc., do a search on AEW signs, search for Rena Deeb, you'll you'll find the article. Yeah, so weird times in the moving parts here. All right, uh, so we go to the main event of AEW Dynamite. It is the uh, AEW TNT Championship with champion Darby Allen up against Brian Cage. 
Cage has Starks and Hook at ringside. Taz is on commentary. Taz makes a point to explain that Hobbs is not there because Tony Khan said that that, that Brian can only have two people at ringside, which that kind of doesn't really make sense. Why would you have it? Why would you let anybody have at ringside? But whatever. Just to put that out there. Um, so we get this match. Uh, you know, Brian Cage, freak of an athlete in terms of his strength. I mean, we get some uh, crazy offense. Uh, the, the, you know, one of the no- notable ones is Cage gorilla presses Allen and launches him out the ring an easy six, seven, eight feet into the timekeeper's table that just explodes. Uh, from that point on, uh, Allen is bleeding. Uh, we get a pretty hard bump that Cage takes onto the steel steps. Uh, Allen takes off his belt. He basically hog ties Cage at one point to, to, to neutralize him there. Uh, as he's doing that, Starks gets up, looks like Starks are getting involved. Lights come out, lights come back on. Sting standing there, takes a bat, hits Starks. Uh, and then ultimately it leads to um, uh, Darby Allen hitting a coffin drop from the, or excuse me. No, he hit the coffin drop earlier. Uh, Darby Allen uh, ends up hitting uh, the crucifix bomb off the ropes on the cage. One, two, three. So Darby retains. Uh, Sting and Darby stand tall. The FTR champion loses again on a major match. Um, but we do get the Sting appearance as we thought we would. We don't get any more. Is Sting Darby's father? Like We don't get any more of what the hell is going on here, but uh, I don't know. So the match I thought was great. Uh, it was like a pay-per-view match, I thought. Like, it, it felt... I mean, they, the stuff they did was crazy. Um, you know, we, we spoke to this earlier. Brian Cage, I see... I, I think there's a ton of potential in him. They don't have many guys like him. I'd like to not see him lose so much. Um, I, th- I, th- I think he's won the last couple singles matches, but I feel like some of these... You gotta pick some of these guys and just protect them for a while and not have them have them lose, especially, your you know, with your Giants and, and your larger-than-life guys. Um... Darby looked good, and I, I thought the match itself was great. Sting, this is one of those things where you don't need Sting on every week. Uh, I think it's great that they signed Sting. I think it's a great signing, but he's doesn't need to be doing the same thing every week. Granted, he he hit, he actually hit Ricky Starks this week. That was a little different, but um, it, it feels a little redundant. You know, just keep him, you know, every every few weeks, and he shows up, and it means more. Yeah, and I think they've been doing it long enough to where if it is revealed that Sting and Darby are just working together, that would be kind of a disappointment. That, like, you're doing this all this time, and the payoff is that Sting and Darby are in cahoots. Isn't that implied the whole time? So uh, unless they have something wild in terms of a swerve or or some grand idea, it is time to kind of move forward with this. I'm glad that they did show Sting. You know, Sting did get to use his bat, so that is some progress. Um, but this match, to me, saved the show. I, I was ready to crown this as a bad AEW show. Um, we don't, I don't think we get too many bad dynamites. But I, leading up to this segment, I was like, wow, this is not a good show. But this match, I think, was so good that I'm willing to say it was an okay show. Yeah. Yeah, it was an okay show. And, and to what you guys said, it's, this has been getting really redundant with Sting. And I know this sounds really whiny and spoiled of us that like we're complaining about the same, you know, we should be just happy to have Sting there. But... This does kind of feel like this does, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we'll be proven wrong, but it does feel like Tony Khan got this big, you know, this big contract done with Sting, and you know, merchandise is worth something. Obviously, the shirt I'm sure is selling great, but I almost feel like they don't really know where they're going. I kind of this doesn't this does not feel like they have a big plan. This feels like they are kind of booking it week to week. That's how it comes off. Maybe they will surprise us and. We'll get to February, March, and there'll be this big aha moment. But it doesn't 
seem like that's where we're headed. I think we're headed to Sting and Darby Allen versus uh, uh, Cage and Ricky Starks in a cinematic match. I mean, uh, Tony Khan basically had already said that he asked Sting if he wanted to do cinematic matches, uh, you know, and Q, you know, uh, highlight the word cinematic, not regular matches. And Sting said, yeah. So they're headed to a cinematic match. I don't know if there's going to be any swerves with the Sting and Darby stuff. I think it is what it is. They're just in Sting just likes him and sees him in, in him. And, and that's probably the, the bulk of it. Hope maybe I'm wrong, but that's just what it feels like they're doing. And they're just kind of treading water until they get to that. Yeah. Well, we'll uh, we'll see what happens uh, next week um, with AEW. But that was tonight's Dynamite again, night two of the New Year's Smash. So uh, real quick before we jump over NXT, uh, if you rate it on one to ten, guys, uh, where do you put this one? I give it. I give it. I give it like a seven point five. Honestly, I was gonna say a solid six. Yeah, yeah. I, was gonna, I was actually gonna say a six and a half, seven for Dynamite. You know, again, this is. Uh, I thought it was. Probably below average other Dynamite episodes, you know, especially coming off of a hot show like last week. I think it made it more stark. So, but and it did we, have, it did have some good matches, and it, it was really only about 45 minutes that I didn't care for, but yeah. eh, maybe a seven. I'll go a seven. I'll be interested to watch the viewership because, you know, do you have that. You have, of course, all the, the political news going on. You have uh, the, the NHL started tonight in their abbreviated season. You, I think the NBA had games on tonight. So, uh, no. No shortage of people. Uh, no shortage of options for people to look at the TV guide for. So we'll see how this comes out. Well, last year, uh, the last. This sounds weird to say, but the last time the president was impeached, um, <laughs> it was also on a Wednesday, uh, <laughs> uh, and it, it cost AEW a lot. That was the only time AEW lost uh, both the demo and overall viewers to NXT. So <laughs> the last time the president <laughs> was it's true. It was, the, it was on a Wednesday. <laughs> it was on a Wednesday, was it? It was. That's true. That's hilarious. Yeah. Well, it was a Wednesday about nine months ago. He was the last time we did this whole yeah. Yeah, it was thirteen months ago. And, Good lord. Uh, AEW doing their lowest rating uh, of that year of twenty nineteen. It was December. And they were down twelve percent from the week before. And <laughs> Yeah, so the, a lot of times these news stories hurt AEW more than NXT. NXT was actually up from their prior week that week. So yeah, I think just about every time the news stories hurt AEW more than WWE. Their their audience tends to be a lot more subjective to uh, news, real news. Yeah, Tony Khan's calling Congress. Can you guys push this shit to Friday, please? <laughs> Feels like nothing happens on a Thursday. Like Thursday nights are yeah. just they're just dead. Yeah. Oh boy. All right, uh, Alfred, you want to go to NXT here? Yeah, let's get started with NXT. Uh, we start with Shotzi Blackheart versus Candice LeRae. Uh, Shotzi got a lot of offense. I thought she looked good in here. She it looked like she rolled out a couple of new moves. There was some outside interference from Mindy Hartwell while Shotzi was going to the top, which led to a spinning neckbreaker from the top rope by Candice LeRae, and Candice LeRae wins. What did you think about this match, Justin? Good match. I'm a big fan of both of these. I love Candice as a heel. Uh, Shotzi. I was a little unsure of Shotzi at first. I didn't get the whole tank thing or whatever, but it's all... I don't even know if I get it now, but I've at least accepted and grown with it. Um, but I think both have uh, good offensive skill sets. I enjoy watching this. You know, I will say, as I'm watching, again, a rare singles match in AEW, I have a second screen watching NXT, and I was very much drawn to this. Um, so, yeah, I think this was a good... I think this was as 
a good a good of a start as NXT can provide. And I also like that I'm going in NXT knowing Dusty Rhodes Classic is the shtick now. And I like that I got a singles match, a singles women's match. That was a nice little surprise. So I was all for this. Yeah, I you know I, I agree with you with the Shotzi in the tank. I was a little confused with that for a while. It reminded me of Kyrie saying with the pirate thing, where I'm just confused for a while, and then after a while it becomes kind of endearing. Yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of you know you're you're just used to it, and then it's just kind of kind of cool. So uh, Shotzi, I feel like she's becoming like a breakout star. Yeah, she won that award. She and, did win that award. The thing is with Shotzi is I had no clue who she was or what she was about, even though they had her on TV every week. And I didn't care to find out. But they aired like a three-minute vignette on why she has a tank, tank, who she is, what her background is. And since then, she's been one of my favorite acts in NXT. She might be my favorite wrestler, man or woman, in NXT. Did they say why she howls? Uh, I don't think they specifically said why she howls. She did it at the end. It's just her taunt. It's something she it's does. kind of like a woo, but... They explained PCB, which I didn't know what that meant until they showed that vignette. And I really like the Shotzi Blackheart character. She's a very charismatic woman. Maybe uh, Ric Flair will start to howl at Lacey Evans. Yeah. Uh, real, real talk here, though. Real talk. If Shotzi Evans goes to Raw or SmackDown, does Vince let her keep the tank? Yeah, I think he Probably. does, and I think it gets more cartoonish. I think it, I think we're going to grow to hate that tank if we see it in WWE. Gonna, it, he'll he'll either get rid of it or he'll wrap his arms around it, and it'll be this big production that we just like. Right. Well, I was going to say Vince usually he lets it on the first week, and then he sees it, he's like, "What the hell was that?" And he starts, you know, getting those Vince fingers on it. I can imagine he's not even watched her yet on NXT. Oh, sure. he, you know, he only and he hasn't watched it, and <laughs> Pritchard or somebody or even Triple H goes. Well, you know she comes out in a tank, and he goes, a tank, and he just the ideas just start to bloom from there. Oh yeah, you can get ready. Uh, okay, so we get to the Finn Balor comes out. He cuts his promo. He says Kyle was great, but he wasn't on my level. Uh, he's the one sipping through a straw now because of his jaw issues. And whoever wants to step up can step up. That brings out Pete Dunn. He says the only reason you're the poster boy for European wrestling is because I haven't taken it and I haven't taken that title from you. And so he said, you get in line. I'm not going to wait anymore. Then that leads to a brawl uh, between Finn Balor and the Kings of NXT with uh, Oni Lorcan and uh, Danny Burch. And uh, then Undisputed Era hits the ring to make the stave. And then we get a really, really long stare down between Finn Balor and the Undisputed Era uh, before the segment ends. Kings of NXT sounds a lot like Kings of Wrestling, right? And then that would uh, impact Kevin Nash and Jeff Jarrett and Scott Hall. They called themselves that for a while. They were, oh, I get, yeah, they had the Elvis costumes. Right. Yeah. That yeah. was also Cesaro and Chris Hero called themselves the King of Wrestling. They're one of the best tag teams in the world for a while. I guess it's, it's pretty, true. It's true. a pretty easy name to come up with. But I mean, you know, props to uh, props to Pete Dunne. He has really stepped his game up. He's really been working out. He looks like. He looks like an athlete, you know, like he looks like, uh, uh, you know, uh, somebody. Yeah, I was talking with this. I was actually expecting, you know, Cross to interrupt, um, Cross or Scarlet, and that didn't happen. We will get a little vignette later on, but um, I'm okay with this. You know, Pete Dunn, kind of uh, such an intense and good competitor, again, was one who was a victim of the pandemic we didn't see for a while. Then he gets kind of thrown in randomly with Pat McAfee's group. You know, that's seems like that's done for the temporary time. So I'm okay with this, you know, Finn and, and Pete, that's, that's a fresh matchup. I like the whole grappling of, of, you know, you're, you're Mr. European wrestling only. Cause I haven't decided to take it from, I, I can get behind that and I can get behind this being 
the middle point before a cross uh, Finn uh, showdown. You know, I think the next pay per view they have, the next takeover at least for NXT, I think is on Valentine's Day. So if mm-hmm. that's if it's going to be Pete and Finn, uh, let let that happen. And then if there's an NXT takeover come Mania weekend, that certainly feels the most appropriate for Cross and Finn to reconvene. So uh, I was okay with this. I, I'm a big Pete Dunn fan. So any, anything that involves him getting big time matches, I'm all for. Yeah, he's shredded right now. He's in the best shape of his life. And, you know, with all due respect to Karrion Cross, I really think this is going to be the year of Pete Dunn. And one thing I love that they do in NXT is the world titles seem so important because there's always a line to get to the champion. Like, you know, Pete Dunn was told to wait in line. Tonight we got a promo from Raquel Gonzalez calling out the, the champion. So I like how they protect their titles here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go to Johnny Gargano backstage. And he makes excuses saying he only lost because he was in skinny jeans. Uh, Austin Theory has a gift for him, and it's a picture of him drawn by Dexter Loomis, and it's Johnny Gargano crying. There's another picture of Austin Theory. It says, idiot, since he's crazy. So now Johnny's all pissed off. Uh, we get into Grizzled Young Vets versus Everrise. Uh, this was fine. You got Grizzled Young Vets are clearly something that WWE or NXT is heating up for a big run. I think they might be favorites to win this tournament, uh, but they get a promo on the way to the ring. Uh, there was no heat for this match because it's two heels. So at one point, Martel makes this great comeback. I thought it was really good, but nobody did anything. And then uh, they hit the ticket to mayhem on Martel for the win. So Grizzled Young Vets win over Everize. Justin? Well, I'm glad you said that, Alfred, because you're right. The, the, neither are babyface teams. But they worked such a traditional tag match to a hot tag to Everrise. <laughs> and again, I have my screens up, and I'm watching, and I'm calling, if Dusty was around with us, <laughs> surely there would be a, there would have been a critique to this. There would have been a, no, baby, we, we can't do it that way. It's something like that. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, again... I guess for what it was, fine, but it, it was a very that was a very confusing match given what we've seen the past of these two teams be. And they're both such aggressive heels. Like it's not like one of them's a tweener. They're both very, very decided in the fact that they don't like these people, that they're the best and whatnot, and yeah. just not these two together. Raj, did you like this match? Uh yeah, yeah. Um you know, I'll have to watch it more close. I'm, I'm forgetting what was happening on AEW. I remember I was going back and forth, but I remember I was uh, paying more attention to AEW during this match, but I got to go back and watch it. So then we get the uh, promo from Raquel Gonzalez, just showing her beating uh, Rhea Ripley last week and just calling out Io Shirai. Um, this I thought was good. I think they're doing a great job with her. And Rhea Ripley, of course, is going to the main roster. Hopefully hopefully they do a better job this time. Yeah, absolutely. You mean she's not going to be part of Retribution? <laughs> <laughs> Careful what you wish for. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you never know. Sorry, Rhea. <laughs> yeah, if she hears that and she gets put in res- retribution, she's coming for you. Yeah, well, no lie. <laughs> uh, we get the backstage promo. So this is the first of a couple of backstage promo revealing a team for the Dusty Rhodes Women's Classic. And it looks like Shotzi Blackheart will be teamed with Ember Moon. Um, uh, then we go to Gargano and Dexter Loomis. Uh, this is a pretty good match. Gargano working over Dexter Loomis's lower back. I really liked it. Uh, Loomis makes his comeback. Uh, Austin Theory interferes the first time. He kind of gets scored up the second time. Uh, it's a really cool spot to where Austin Theory was being thrown in a fallaway slam at the same time that Dexter Loomis was being rolled up. So Dexter Loomis takes the pin and loses, and then Loomis goes after Theory and hits a silence submission on him. Uh, uh, good match, I thought. What did you think about Gargano versus Dexter Loomis, uh, Justin? 
Yeah, I really enjoyed this. This might have been my my favorite uh, of NXT, and and again, much like most NXTs, I don't really have anything that turns me off. They they don't. I use the analogy between the two. AEW is always swinging for the fences. A baseball analogy. They are swinging for the fences. So it's either going to be a home run or it's going to be a big whiff and a strikeout. And more times than not, AEW hits the ball pretty well. NXT does not do that. NXT stays very consistent. They stay in a lane, um, and they and they jump out of that lane when appropriate, when it's a takeover or when it's a you know a big show. So I'm always pretty satisfied with what I get. And but this was the best one. Dexter Loomis. Well, first off, I love Gargano as a heel. Um, my in my first three years working in the independent wrestling business was in Ohio. Was in, was with Johnny Gargano. Where he was our champion. He was our top guy. His family was part of the ownership of the company, and we were on Direct TV around the country. And so I've only ever seen Johnny on, uh, you know, and the ring as a babyface. But I also got to see a little bit of his character, like a little bit of his real life character. And be like, he could he, kind of like what I said earlier about Britt. He could pull off a heel. He really could. It just when you look at him, you're like, oh, he's babyface money, and the way he works in the ring, he's babyface money. So I love his chicken shit heel. And then Dexter Loomis, uh, I, I, before people freak out, he's not the Undertaker. He's not six foot ten. He doesn't really invoke all the supernatural powers, but the the stalk he has, the freaking stare he has, the chops he has, the way he just keeps moving. He, I get. Undertaker like vibes of just this baby face who you're like, I want to cheer for him, but he's a little creepy. I'm in it. It's all clicking to me. His moveset is a little bit more uh, high flying or not high flying, but but he does a little bit more in his moveset than I would maybe think an Undertaker comparison character would do. But I just kind of I kind of adapted to a, a modern day vampire movie where the vampire can move real quicker. I don't know. I, 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 I'm okay with it, but I, I, I think it's all clicking. I'm a big fan of Dexter Loomis. I, I wouldn't have no problem with him being in the main event sooner rather than later. I take it would do, you know, the old school and the dives from, you know, inside yeah. the ring to yeah. the out. Um, yeah, I was surprised that Gargano got the win here. Um, I was a little surprised by that. I, I You know, to your point with Gargano as a heel... Because uh, he has been a heel before, kind of turned babyface. I, I feel like this is his best heel run yet. I think he's the most entertaining he's been. And yeah, I you know there was a few years ago where it's like he's just this perfect babyface. You can never turn him heel, and he's been doing a he's been doing a really good job. I think he's one of the most entertaining things on the show. Dexter Loomis at some point, I know his gimmicks is not to talk, but that's only going to take you so far once you get to the main roster. And with his size. He's going to be called up sooner than a lot of the other guys. So I, I don't know how you rectify that, but at some point he needs to get some reps on the mic because uh, you're, you're going to sink or swim on that. Or, and it's, un, it's, it's uncharacteristic in this day and age with WWE, or you need to find him a, a, a Paul Bear. You need to find him somebody that, yeah. that, 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 that only the only person that can speak Dexter Loomis's language and, and, and translate for him. Even I, Paul I, Bear or Taker still talked, you know. Yeah. yeah, it makes me very nervous the idea of Dexter Lewis finally speaking because there's just it's an opportunity for comedy, and more times than not, WWE chooses the comedy. Mm. And I just think that they might make him have a high pitched voice or something that you don't expect. Like, he just, if he's going to talk, you should just talk. Yeah, he should just talk. But I don't have 100% faith that he's just going to be able to talk. So if they don't want to let him talk, I'm fine with that because I, I agree. I like his act. I like what he, I like that he's like a real life serial killer. It's like, 
There's nothing cartoonish about it. It's like, yeah, he's got this look of guy who literally would be somebody that you see on like a, a murder mystery or something like that. The name kind of takes it away, though. When oh, you're, yeah. you know, if your name is uh, Freddie Dahmer, you know, it's a little too on the nose <laughs> to where, yeah. you know. Dexter. Uh, if, if Dexter Loomis starts chasing our truth in the 24-7 title oh. and the foil is he has bad vision. <laughs> <laughs> and he can't see the referee around him yeah. that's setting him up that that'll be the death of it all <laughs> so we go backstage we get a kings of nxt promo they're pretty much hinting that they're going to be out there again you haven't seen the last of them uh then we go into this segment with wade barrett he's with timothy thatcher and tomaso champa they're kind of doing like the hbo 24 7 bit with two guys just talking to each other you know i like when they do stuff like this uh, Tommaso is saying he's never been in the fight pit. He's asking why the animosity. And so Tommaso makes it clear that he likes uh, Timothy Thatcher as a wrestler. He thinks he's a good grappler. He's a badass, but uh, he takes liberties as a coach. And so there's a lot of talk of taking liberty. Okay, I liked this segment. I just didn't like – Tommaso Ciampa took exception because uh, Timothy Thatcher made this analogy, like would a lion tell a zebra that he's coming to, to kill him and then – Champa goes, what are you calling me a zebra for? And it just got kind of cartoonish from there. So I didn't like the, the ha-ha that they did toward the end, but I really like the idea of this segment setting up this fight pit. Well, you know, Lion King role play aside, I did like, you know, Wade being the moderator. Champa had a, I think Champa had a moment where he was like, you're waiting to see fear in my eyes, but you can keep looking. It's not going to happen. Like, it was something to that effect. Yeah. This really did it for me, and I'm glad they actually bumped this match and didn't do it. Uh, on New Year's Evil, probably from for for uh, time constraints, I would assume uh, both men are actually legitimately healthy. So I'm glad they kind of pushed this, and this is hopefully going to get its own kind of main event feature spot in itself. Um, I like I like both these guys. I like I like this. I, you know, the the Thatch's Thatch can stuff was whatever, but I like what it stands for, and I like the intensity. I like the you know, I like the the the, the real shoot fight that they're, they're trying to project here, and um, so yeah, I'm all for this. Yeah, I like that NXT has kind of been borrowing elements from like UFC and stuff like that, with you know, uh, just doing a different way to build a match with just the two guys talking, like they did with Finn Balor and and Kyle O'Reilly. You know, where they were the the stuff they did with them. It's different. Uh, it's not your regular. You attack me, I attack you next week, and then we have our match. So, you know, I liked it. The The background music, I don't know. Yeah. That's NXT, the, I love when they do They do a lot of stuff like this that make me feel like I'm a sports fan when I'm watching wrestling instead mm-hmm. of something that I have to defend and something that's weird. They don't treat wrestling like it's this weird cartoon. They actually treat it like as if these two guys are really going to fight. And this match came off like a main event type match in the segment. Alfred, that, that, what you just said there is a great thing. We've talked about this in the past, whether it's this, whether it's Matt or Glenn or whatever combination of us on here. We talk about the, okay, does this hold up on the test of the non-wrestling fan? If your wife walks in the room, right. or if you have the neighbors over for, for dinner and drinks, if they walk in the room, are you embarrassed about what you have on the TV with wrestling? And you're right. This is a segment that if you have any of those parties, you're not embarrassed. It, it comes off as like, Something masculine, something box office. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So, so the cartoony uh, stuff, we we are going to get to Zia Lee here in a second, right? Oh, don't be cartoony, Raj. Bite your tongue. Bite your tongue, Raj. I actually <laughs> liked it. So. Yeah, we're almost there. <laughs> so we get a undisputed era backstage, pretty much predicting that they're going to win. And we have the team of Sammy Hager and AEW. Well, this week we have the team of Scott Atlas 
in NXT. It's your team of Isaiah Swerve Scott and Jake Atlas versus the debuting MSK. So this is Dez and Wentz uh, from Impact. If you're not familiar, they're actually a really good uh, act. They're a good tag team, kind of a, a smaller size, high-flying type tag team. So this was pretty much a showcase of them. Uh, th- I was infuriated with this right up until the show almost ended because Swerve Scott and Jake Atlas are supposed to be in this feud. Now they're randomly tagging. There's no hint of dissension. Dez and Wentz are just running through them. Dez and Wentz are MSK, wins the match. Uh, there's no post-match brawl, but toward the end of the show, right before the main event, you got like a brawl segment. So that, I guess, kind of saved it. But uh, this feud it really kind of is starting to fall off the rails a little bit. But MSK wins. What did you think about the debut of MSK, uh, Justin? I mean, it, it looked really good. There was a lot of hype, obviously, all, all day today and speculation that this would be them. It was them. Um, I know there's a, a lot of disappointment I saw on social media, the fact that their names were changed. Yeah, uh, uh, called like Nash Wesley. Carter and Wes Lee. And yeah. Wes space L-E-E. That's Wes right. Lee is hard to take seriously. Right. <laughs> so Wentz, who who was Wentz, is now Nash Carter, Dez, and now Wes Lee. Um, yeah, you know, I saw the name thing being, but give it two, three weeks, people just come to accept what the new names are. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought they, they, they looked great. I mean, and really... I look at the bracket of the of the Dusty Rhodes Classic, and if you're looking at it on the screen, the right side, and they're on the top right side, the right side of the bracket looks stacked to me. I think whoever's winning, I think, is coming from the right side of the bracket, uh, and you know they're a new tag team. You know the fact that Triple H makes the conscious decision to have them debut uh, in a tournament style against however many other teams that are already at least established characters. And has them win the first round. To me, that says they're going to the finals. Doesn't guarantee a win, but they're at least getting to the finals. So, um, yeah, yeah, this is this is you know good, good for these guys. What does MSK stand for? It, we it don't know. Kind of, kind of. Yeah, I don't think they made mention of that. We don't know. It might have something to do with marijuana because they had a weed gimmick and impact, but right. Uh, who knows? Because there was a what was BSK again? Uh, Bone Street Bones Crew. crew. Yeah. Mar- Mar- marijuana, marijuana, marijuana smoking crew. Right. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah. That actually. People that smoke marijuana don't use the word marijuana. <laughs> right. They, they get the tattoos like like uh, Undertaker has. They get the MSK across oh, the yeah. stomach. <laughs> and you got the little weed plant on the stomach. I think that looks great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Backstage, we got a carry on cross promo. Basically, he's coming for Finn Balor to come. I like it. Uh, it needs some new blood up there. Yeah. At the top. Then we get into Raj's favorite wrestler, Zia Lee, versus a local competitor who they didn't even tell us who she was. Zia Lee, two moves, two strikes. Uh, this week, actually, before she gets in the ring, she does a kata. She does her thing. Last week, she had daggers. This week, she has a bow. Uh, she hit a right hand and kicked to the face, and it was over. And the mysterious figure after the match shows her hand. It looks like a woman's hand. And Zaylee goes back and continues to beat down this poor woman and uh, until the mysterious figure is satisfied. So let's go to Raj on this one. What are your thoughts? I actually liked it. I was just uh, – <laughs> but, you know, the, the person at the, the top of the ramp is a little cartoony. But um, it looked cool. And she looks cool. I, I thought that's what it should have been. It should have been a quick destruction. You know, it's a new character uh, in a way. And so I thought it was it was cool. Easy to watch. I liked it. Yeah, I'm a big fan. This was a highlight last week. I like everything from the, <clears throat> the, the you know, the deck, the decoration of the 
Capitol Wrestling Center with the video boards and the smoke and the effects to the camera blocking, which is getting real close into this mysterious figure. We back back. We come back out. Boa and Zaylee are standing there. They walk to the end of the ramp. Music change. Zaylee does her does her her moves. I'm all for this. And yeah, quick strikes. I, I'm in. Th- this is this is probably top three highlight of me of what I'm looking forward to in NXT. I don't know who the mystery woman is going to be. It was definitely a woman you could see with by the hands and the nails. I don't know who it's going to be. I don't care. I'm I'm into this. I'm buying in. I, I like this. It, yeah, yeah. There's some cartoonish stuff to it, but it but it doesn't come off as cartoonish. Like it, like again, if I had the wife or the neighbor over, I'd be like, oh, check this out. And then Zaylee's following up with strikes that look pretty brutal. So uh, I'm into this. I like this repackaging. I like the vignettes. I like what they're doing here. To me, this is your new Undertaker in terms of the presentation, the quick striking, the fact that she's not selling a thing for now, and getting it's like getting your powers from the urn. She gets her powers from this mysterious character. I think there are far more parallels to this with the Undertaker than a Dexter Bliss or even the thing. Well, and Alfred, I think that's a great theory, and I I don't want to. Uh, it's it's eleven thirty two Eastern time. I don't want to start strike up a debate by with Raj and I that'll go hours. <laughs> but my fear is when Zaylee goes to the main roster, all of a sudden we get this like, oh yeah, you know, it, 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 it just becomes cartoonish. You know, or she's spitting the great Muda mist. You know, as as every Japanese character has to do according to Vince's rules. That's the worry is like, okay, this is, again, great in the context of NXT and then that world, but. And then she'd get beaten the second weekend as well. Yeah. Or she'll be Asuka's little sister or, you know. <laughs> yes. Even though she, she's yeah. Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Even though she's Chinese, I'm like, oh. <laughs> Asuka <laughs> flew from Japan to China as, 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 a, as a teenager oh, and, tra- and, and trained. Uh, Zion. <laughs> oh, God. Let's not book any of this stuff. <laughs> yeah. uh, real quick, uh, uh, Kronishaw bringing up Big Joseph saying that line. These rascals are high flying. Oh, he did yep. say that. He yeah. did. He Which did. It's pretty funny. And then there was one more. MSK equals marijuana smoking kids. It's actually a movie from 1997. I have never heard that. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, well, we get another backstage promo revealing another team. It looks like Casey Catanzara and Caden Carter are going to be a team. They're going to face off, I believe, Mercedes Martinez and Tony Storm. So that's going to be another team, the Women's Dustin Rhodes Classic. So they're just filling out those brackets. Uh, and then we get to them. And then we got the pull apart that I was talking about between Isaiah Swerve Scott and Jake Atlas. Before we get into the main event between Undisputed Era and Bree Zango, I thought this was a good match. Saw tag team action. You're kind of waiting on your hands for Dunn Lorcan and Birch to come out. They do. They attack Kyle O'Reilly because they're really playing up. Kyle O'Reilly has a jaw injury, so they're really working over his jaw. They've got him pulled over one of the lighting rigs you know, to really hurt his jaw. And then he ended up doing a little color. He's got um, bleeding from his mouth afterwards. Uh, but back in the ring, Fandango tries to take advantage of this. He leaps from the top rope, but he eats a super kick from Cole, and that's it. Undisputed Era wins in the first round. What did you think about this, Justin? Yeah, I mean, a good a good match. I'm, I'm, I'm Everything Adam Cole is I'm a fan of. Uh, a little underwhelming as a main event, uh, you know, in terms of anything big to go off on. Uh, the most noteworthy thing here is Undisputed Era has a new color code of trunks and T-shirts. 
<laughs> so, you know, I mean, uh, you know, good match, but not a really big finish uh, is really what I kind of settled this with. And 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 do we know where where the hell's Bobby Fish? Is Fish injured? What did I miss? With where's he Fish? He tore his triceps. I remember after War Games, he said that yeah, he yeah. tore triceps. So I think he's okay. rehabbing from that. Yeah. Okay. I forgot that. Yeah, I I feel like un, uh, undisputed era need more than different trunk colors to. They just need a, a fresh coat of paint, a new member, or drop someone. I just feel like they've been kind of doing the same thing for so long. It, it's, I don't know, it's a little stale for me. I, I was kind of, they're always good in the ring. Uh, I just feel like as, as characters and as far as interest, it's it's kind of losing. It's kind of losing it for me. I was looking forward to the idea of both, of all four members of the Undisputed Era in the Dusty Rhodes Classic, and then eventually that leading to their breakup if they had to face each other. But that's not going to happen with Bobby Fish out. But yeah, this thing has ran its course a couple of times, I think. That's that, that's a fun booking right there. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I really think this, I, I think I think Adam Cole is constantly limbo. I think that there's been several start and stops of we're going to take Cole to Raw or SmackDown that changes. Um, if it's so as long as it's in the NXT, he's got the undisputed group. I don't think that group comes with him when he goes. I, I think there's just a constant play. I think Cole's kind of like Organo. It, it's kind of like, I'm sure we're on SmackDown creative and powers to be see, uh, Oh, we could use him to fill a spot. But I, I, I do think there's probably been some like reserve, even, you know, some, some, some triple H. I was like, eh, well, if you don't really need him, you know, I could really use him here type of thing. Yeah, because you know the, the track record of smaller guys isn't uh, isn't yeah. always the best. If you do, you know, Adam Cole is ultra charismatic, so that does help you out. That does overcome a lot. You know, we've seen with Punk and Daniel Bryan, but those are they're exceptions to the rule. They're not the the norm. So. Well, and, and you know, let's remember when there was the whole debacle of the main roster getting back home from Saudi for the plane. Um, they had to call in the emergency of, of Cole came and uh, main evented. I think both the SmackDown and then a Raw, and yeah. he it was fun, it was a great showing. So it's like that just gives you a little hope of like yeah he can glean he can shine on Raw and SmackDown. But again, it's what's what's the creative what's the what's the, what's attached to him in, the, in terms of the creative for him. So we'll wait and see. Yeah. So that's your show. What did you guys think was a better show tonight? Hmm. pretty equal to me yeah yeah um i you know i thought i thought nxt was pretty solid but it was still there was nothing that was like oh wow you had to have seen it um so yeah i'd say probably i thought it was maybe a, a little uh, edge to nxt this week yeah, I think they were both just kind of solid, okay shows, but I think there was more bad on AEW, so I give the edge to NXT, but nothing special on either show, really. They're just kind of getting started with this Dusty Rose Classic, so they're really putting that over tonight. Yeah. Yeah. All right, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, so we'll see how the viewership comes out. Hopefully uh, tomorrow by 4 or 5 o'clock Eastern Time on Wrestling Inc. we'll have the viewership numbers of what comes out for Wednesday night. And again, and how does it fare against what was going on on the rest of the uh, – TV guide. So some news real quick. Uh, I'll, I'll put out one real quick and then I'll let Raj take the exclusive that Wrestling Inc. had. Uh, so there seems to be some uh, interest in what is Ricochet's situation with WWE. There's some backstage chatter uh, coming from the Wrestling Observer uh, live uh, show that Ricochet had signed a three-year deal with WWE back in January of 2018. That would mean that now January 2021, he is up any day now with his contract and it's kind of 
a lot of speculation that Ricochet has not resigned and won't resign. There's been, you know, talk about different talents, especially with the low ball that we've been hearing the WB has been offering in this time uh, to try to keep talent for a lower price during the pandemic, but they're trying to like not let people go to, you know, AEW or elsewhere. Uh, you know, Ricochet really hasn't been used in any kind of, you know, s- strong booking. So uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of surrounding talk, Raj, of uh, Ricochet could be out the door uh, sooner than later. Yeah, I mean, Ricochet had kind of referenced those rumors on on social media. He didn't outright say he had re-signed with WWE, but um, you know, he he didn't say he he just I don't know. He was kind of shooting it down, but not really. It was kind of one of those non-denial denial kind of things but he was like don't talk about me he didn't really like <laughs> he didn't yeah, really exactly. say it's oh, not yeah. true he was just like stop talking about it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly um yeah i mean you know it's kind of surprising because yeah his contract would be up this month yeah usually wwe works well in advance to start getting people assigned so i mean that could have been when we started seeing the you know the real decline where he's losing a retribution every week i don't think he's gotten a win on wwe tv on raw uh in months him and a partner maybe it was dana brooke beat retribution but it wasn't him getting the win uh so yeah um i don't know he you know there's a lot of guys where you're like oh they'll, they'll be better in aew or this and that and then you know aew has so many guys that you see guys go over and they're not you know, Matt Hardy was never never got to the main event, and Sean Spears, you know, had the one big pay per view and was kind of down after that. And all, you know, it's been a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, and you know, my thing with Ricochet has been the guy does some incredible things in the ring. But I, my my witty analysis is he he moves like a stunt double, but he speaks like one. He's not somebody who's going to talk butts into the the building. Uh, but he can do some crazy things, and you're right. AEW is so packed that virtually find me one star in AEW. Find me one regular talent AEW who's not part of a, of a of a group. Even Darby Allen has Sting hovering over his shoulder. Everybody's part of a of a of a tag team or a threesome or a foursome or a fivesome or a sixsome. And so, unless AEW is going to come out and say, "Yes, we have a second cable TV weekly show that's going to come out later this year." And we need more talent. They're 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 packed. It's not a matter of money, but they're just packed to the gills in terms of how much TV time do we have? Yeah, I mean, I can see them signing him for sure, but whether um, he's so one he of those jo- guys so, so he so he joins best friends, right? Exactly. I don't see. You know what I mean? I don't. Yeah, I just don't see what they do with it. Obviously, he'd he'd have some crazy matches there. Um, I just don't know if he'd be used at a at a high level uh, anytime soon. But I do think the crazy matches would be enough to get him over in AEW. And I will say that if all else was equal and we were dealing with regular crowds and the indies were on right. fire the way they were before the pandemic, I would say Ricochet needs to leave and not turn back. Not even necessarily go to AEW, but just get out of here and reinvent himself in the indies the way Drew McIntyre did. Well, you know who uh, could I, use him is NXT. For sure. For <laughs> you sure. know, they could yeah. use some fresh blood at that top that top mix and – they seem so unwilling to to send these underused guys down to NXT. Well, and I and Alfred, you're right. If the Indies were alive, if you had crowds going to shows, if I'm Ricochet, oh, I can make this money, but be you know third tier in AEW. No, if I can be a guy who goes on the Indies, commands whatever I want, works the main event, 
keeps all my intermission merchandising gimmicks. That's a great thing. But but the fact that that is, you know, that we don't know when that's going to come back. We hope later this year if, if if our country and the world's better. That's a serious thing. So if his contract does expire this month and he has no idea when that indie scene is going to come back, I don't know his financial situation. I hope he's okay. But if he, but if but if he's relying on, hey, I need to bring some money in quickly, that might change it all. And again, right now with pandemic, who knows? But uh, once things start changing, there's always New Japan, and you got Will Osprey there, and you know he's got the history with. So and, and Ring of Honor's coming back to TV too. Ring of Honor's trying to make some plays. Right. It seems you yeah. know they don't have Tony Khan money, but you know they they got Sinclair money. They got Sinclair money. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say really quickly, this should be a cautionary tale because you guys were talking about how great Johnny Gargano is as a heel, even though he looks like a natural babyface. Anybody wanting to get into WWE should have that heel gear to where if they quote unquote ruin you as a babyface, you could pivot to that. Bailey did it. Sami Zayn, I think, has been a good heel after being a natural babyface. Ricochet didn't have that gimmick, so it's not like he can go to being a heel after being ruined as a babyface because to Justin's point, he doesn't have a good promo sensibility. So now he's kind of in this no man's land and we're talking about him, his contract being up in three years in WWE, really not accomplishing much. And it's always easier to get the people who hate you than love you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, And yeah, and we we had broken the story on Wrestling Inc. Uh, Roosh uh, had had been talking with WWE uh, through AAA and uh, WWE decided to pass on him. I guess they felt he was asking for too much money. They didn't want to match his price. Uh, the offer that WWE had was apparently pretty uh, lower than they expected. And uh, we've been seeing that lately with WWE with main roster talents or NXT talents moving to the main roster and renewals where uh, it's not the big money that they were offering a year or two ago. So, um, yeah, so Roosh, uh, I don't know if he has re-signed with ROH. You would think he has because they, you know, he retained the ROH title at the last pay-per-view. His contract was either up last month or is coming up this month. And um, and ROH, they've been announcing a bunch of signings, so I'm guessing we'll probably hear about uh, them re-signing Roosh here very soon. Yeah, I mean, I mean, more so than ever, it's it's becoming a thing of, you know, do you, do you want a guaranteed paycheck with such uncertainty of what your brand and your career is going to do? And, and again, your body is your is your instrument. Every year you lose. You know, you're not getting any younger. So do you want to waste a couple of years getting paid this guarantee to sit, sit in catering or sit in mediocrity on main event? Or do you want to go to a lesser company in terms of distribution, but be a top dog, be a bigger fish in a bigger, in a smaller pond. So that's, that's becoming a bigger situation. And I think this is, this was, this is, this is the epitome of that right here. Yeah. And I like what he's been doing in ROH. I don't think he needs to go anywhere else necessarily. And there were those rumors, I think it was a couple of years ago, where Andrade had advised him not to come to WWE. Yeah. Really yeah. I think it was last year. Yeah, look at where Andrade is right now. He's exactly. healthy. Yeah. He's good to go. And they're not using him. Yeah. And, he's, really and, and he's dating a protected talent in Charlotte. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, he, I mean, he's 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 one I do away from the Flair family, and he's still can't right. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe he'll come in and he'll start to uh, uh, need Ric Flair's a sugar daddy like Lisa Evans. <laughs> At least that would make more sense. At least that'd be realistic. <laughs> That's another story. That's another story. 
All right. Uh, any final thoughts? Uh, Alfred, uh, please put yourself over. You do such great work on uh, Forbes and, and, and uh, you know, put yourself over. Plug. Well, follow me on Twitter at This Is Nasty. Uh, watch my articles on Forbes, Alfred K O N U W A, and then uh, YouTube Pro Wrestling Bits. Awesome. Raj, plug the uh, place. Gee, check out WrestlingInc.com. I'm sure most of you guys are already, but uh, we appreciate it. We've had tons of exclusives, you know, t- exclusive interviews all the time. Um, we just recently had Candice Michelle who talked about not being at the Raw Legends reunion, why she wasn't there. Just tons of great stuff. So keep checking out wrestling.com and we've got a bunch of big stuff planned for this new year. You're not going to put over your cameo? <laughs> yeah. It's, oh, it's, it's only fans. Yeah, that's only fans. <laughs> <laughs> All right, follow me at Justin Labar. Uh, tomorrow afternoon, I'll be on our Wrestling Inc. Daily with Nick Hausman. We'll talk about all the uh, head, daily headlines that are coming about. And then Friday morning, I'll be back on Sirius XM's Busted Open Radio and Channel 156 with Dave LaGreca and Mark Henry. 10 a.m. Eastern if you want to listen live or check it out on demand. It is the Spar with Labar segment. Uh, thank you very much for watching here. Uh, please share. Please leave a nice like or comment. Uh, as, as Raj said off the top, thank you to Twitch and everybody who chime in from that platform. Uh, this podcast will be back Friday night after SmackDown. So and Matt Morgan sure will be back on Friday. He's, at, uh, he's traveling tonight, but he will be, be, at, be, blah, 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 be back on Friday. There you go. Matt, the mayor, is back on Friday for after SmackDown, which is uh, one of the easier nights to get through if you're watching wrestling. Yeah. All right, for Alfred, for Raj, thanks, everybody. Be safe. Take care of yourselves, and uh, we'll see you next time.